Alan is a great supporter of ours. I'm very honored to have him here, and we do have several other people who are coming in, and we'll be having a, you know, kind of a private Wish Alliance meeting, but I thought, you know, it's a shame for Alan to be here and people not get to meet him, and so I, I called Aurelia, and voila, here we are, and so I'm not much on formal types of um, introductions, but I asked Ross if he would come and give a really great formal introduction because you guys all know and love Ross. I, I wanted, you know, really basically kind of paint a picture. Yes, Alan lives in Arizona, but he came here to our wonderful, beautiful Colorado, mile high up in this nice weather that we have. And uh, he, he came to, to visit us, to, to share his experiences and his knowledge and ultimately inspire us and share his energy with us. So that's what it is all about, community, community, community. So on that note, Alan, thank you. That's my intro. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, I don't know if there's anything more to say. <coughs> He's kind of said it all. But I do live uh, between Sedona and New York because they're two vortex places. And, you know, I've met a lot of people. I do an interview show. I did it on public access for 20 years. And then when YouTube started, I got all that programming up on my YouTube channel. So... Every time Deepak Chopra has another book out, he calls me and says, hey, would you like to interview me? I said, sure. And then last year, when I had my book out, I called Deepak and said, you know all those interviews I did with you, Deepak? Do you want to interview me about my book? And then he sort of had to because he, he, owed, me about, <laughs> he owed me about 20 interviews that I had done with him. And he's a great guy. He's sort of the head of the spiritual movement, but... My conversations with him, my interview with him, it's, um, he's saying oh, it's all consciousness, right? And it all is consciousness. And then I'm talking about this thing, and he, he doesn't quite relate to it because it's all consciousness. What's the difference if we have visitors or, or not visitors? I say to him, Deepak, if you say it's all consciousness, you're taking this whole field outside of historic time. We're in a history, an ongoing development of civilization, if you say it's all consciousness, that just like flattens the plane. And I'm saying this is a phenomena that's happening in our time, in this time and space, as an evolution to our culture. We are awakening to the fact that we're part of a bigger cosmos, that we have family out there and we have just been so primitive and warlike, Stanton Friedman used to say, who wants to be friends with a bunch of apes whose favorite pastime is tribal warfare? And that's been our problem for 10,000, 20,000 years. It's like, and so we project our own humanness onto those beings, think, oh, are they going to invade us? Are they going to take over? Well, if they wanted to do that, they probably would have done that by now. You know, I think they're coming and going getting us used to the fact that, yeah, there's something up there. And the thing is, and I wrote this book because sightings have increased worldwide. 
by hundreds of thousands. People are seeing them everywhere. I have a friend who's a ufologist in China, and it's kind of dangerous to talk about this in China, but she has people emailing her and calling her saying she, they just had contact, they just had a dream, they just had a multidimensional experience. And this is something that, yeah, Americans think it's just about them sometimes, but it is a worldwide phenomenon. It absolutely is. And I was just out in Massachusetts, and we did a little calling in of a ship. And, you know, I didn't think anything was really going to show up, but, you know, we were around this fire. And then we, I just then felt like, oh, something's coming. And then this low flying, it sort of looked triangular. I don't know what it was. It was too low to be a satellite, and it wasn't flashing like a plane. And it just flew over our group just the other day. It's like, wow, they heard our call, and they answered. And, you know, we have to start to get used to the fact that, well, we're not only not alone, but we are part of a cosmos. We're part of a whole... um, And I think we're actually from there. I think, you know, we... Being human, we're not like the other animals on this planet. Yeah, we have, you know, four limbs, head, all that. But what we are, what we do, we build buildings, we decorate it, we create things. Animals don't do that. We are, we are really the aliens here on this planet. We are the ones we've been waiting for. And now we're waking up out of this amnesia, out of this kind of self-imposed isolation because... Yeah, we, we are somehow related to the animals, like being territorial and all that, but we are from the stars. And now, because of the vibration of this planet is increasing its rate, its molecular rate, people like Kurt are getting downloads of new information. And that's why this topic, it's not so much about aliens as it is about us waking up to who we really are. That's my real belief here that um, when we really know that we are of the cosmos, that, you know, life wasn't part of an evolution of apes becoming conscious. I mean, there is evolution, absolutely, but it's part of the infusion of the download of the greater consciousness into these lower life forms so we can elevate um, this plane to the next level of awareness, that's why we're all waking up here now. That's why churches like this exist, because it's a time for the spirit of human beings to come forward and meet each other on an even playing field. This is really, really exciting times. We are at the threshold of something new and unknown. And that's that's just the best news I think we can have, the news that we are awakening to um, something that we have yet to know about ourselves. So I wrote this book because I, I had in my experience in 1887, I was driving cross-country with this woman, and we were taken, well, we went to sleep, we were up in North Platte, Nebraska, off Interstate 80, we were driving east, and we were just like really tired from driving all day, from the West Coast, and we just kind of went to sleep, and it was like we were frozen in time there. We woke up in the same position we went to bed in, and who even remembers that, right? But somehow we were like suspended animation, I woke up, and then a couple of days later, someone noticed this mark on the back of my leg, this four-pronged puncture mark, 
And I said, what? They said, what's that? I said, oh, that must be a spider bite. But it just so happened I started to meet people in New York City because I spent a lot of time there into the whole E.T. movement. I met Bud Hopkins there and John Mack and Whitley Strieber. These are like the godfathers of our age. And I talked to someone in Bud's group about, well, what do you think this mark is? And they said, oh, that's an abduction mark. I said, I said, really? And then I immediately flashed back to that part time I was, you know, a couple of days back where I drove cross country and felt frozen in the middle of the night. And, and it felt like it all connected and eventually I did a regression back there. But um, when I found out that it was, could be an abduction market, it immediately freaked me out. And it intrigued me. It's like, really? I didn't remember that. And so it's like, it's, there's a term in this field. It sucks you down the rabbit hole. It wants you like find out that somehow you're a part of this or have seen things or you're interfaced with this. And even in dream times, well, Grant Camlin in this book says there are no innocent bystanders. If you've seen a UFO, if you had contact, you are part of the phenomena. You really are part of it. It, you, there's no like, oh, I just happened to look up and see this thing. No, we are all connected. Even if you're interested in it on some level, you are connected to whatever is evolving here. So when you realize that you're connected, you get pulled down the rabbit hole, as they say, into this feeling. Well, at least for me, I wanted to know everything I could about what's going on, who's out there, what do they want, wh- why are they here. So I just started to collect books and write books and talk to people in the field. And I've met some of the best people in this field. Linda Moulton Howe, do you know who she is? She's an incredible power force here. She's, she's really at the cutting edge of what's happening. I met Whitley Strieber, who wrote the book Communion, who gave us the face of the alien with the big eyes. I have These are different essays in this book because when my editor said, uh, you know, there really hasn't been a collection of different points of view. And he said, really? I know the people we can get. Because the reason it's a collection of not just my story, and my story is in there, uh, but all the experts I really admire in the field. And these are really intelligent people who have been at studying this for 40 years in Linda Moulton House case or Whitley Street or John Mack. They are people who are trying to understand what's going on. And you know what? No one understands what's going on. <laughs> really. Nobody has the whole truth. This is why the government is finally coming out with a little bit of truth. But they don't know what's going on. They don't, have to, they don't know how to tell us, look, we don't know who's out, out there. We don't know what they want. We don't know if they're good or bad. So... It's like I thought by making a collection of 11 different points of view that don't contradict themselves. They kind of, it's like, you know, the blind man and the elephant. Someone has a little piece there and someone has a piece there. It's like you never will put together the elephant itself. The reader, us, we have to put together what's really going on here based on our own experience, based on what the experts in the field are saying, based on what the government is now willing to admit. Well, they're willing to admit, yeah, there's something out there. We don't know what it is. But they do have crash retrievals. They do have bodies. But they are really – it's like a real slow leak. It's like a drip at a time. Eventually, it's like 
And I don't know why they're doing it now. I think it's because of the increased sightings. I think maybe people inside the government are, have connections to the ETs that say, if you don't tell them, we'll tell them. And um, it's also like time for us to come together as a planetary civilization. I don't mean one world government. I mean recognizing that we are all the same race of ETs here, the same race of human beings here. We're all from the same place. Um, what Martin Luther King said, we may have all come here on a different um, ship, but now we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. We're all here at this time, at this really critical time in history where the environmental changes are threatening civilization and you know, AI, digital, we have to understand who we are. We just had like a, uh, a two-year spiritual retreat and now we can come back and start to do things differently. We can really wake up to who we are as human beings and take um, our rightful place among the stars is one way of putting this. But, you know, we're here to wake up to another level of the phenomena. And in the introduction to this book, I quote... Uh, 1840 abolitionists who were trying to get rid of like the inequality in the country and he talked about a new time coming and I quote him because I thought this was the most appropriate thing to start this book here with this introduction where this guy William Ellery Channing says there are seasons in human affairs of inward and outward revolution when new depths seem to be broken up in the soul, when new wants are unfolded in multitudes, and a new and undefined good is thirsted for. There are periods when the principles of experience need to be modified. That's what's happening to us. And when hope and trust and instinct claim a share in the guidance of human affairs, when in truth to dare is the highest wisdom. That's up to us. We have to dare to come forward and say, you know what? I had this experience. I saw this ghost. I had this multidimensional reality. I had this like time, like lapse, weird, you know, time overlap. I mean, it happens, this warping of time. So we, if we all came forward with the kind of unusual anomalous experiences that each of us have, right? How many people have seen like a UFO or have how many like, come on, don't be afraid. You're in good company. Right at least maybe a half here. Well, if all of us started to tell our story, it wouldn't be anomalous anymore. It wouldn't be unusual. It wouldn't be, you know, strange to meet people. Or it, it would be the awakening. I think all of us have to come out of the closet and say, yes, something weird happened to me, and maybe it wouldn't be weird after a while. Something strange, something unusual. I had this dream. I had this synchronicity. I had this coincidence. You know, we've all had moments when you were thinking of someone and they call, right, that people had that. That's, that's because we are all synced up. We are not really physical beings. We're energetic beings, you know. This is what quantum physics says. We are, there's energy and matter, and matter is just a very small piece of this energetic universe. So when we realize that we are more energy than matter, like what's the animating force in that body? You know, these are really just animated earth suits that were walking around. The, the force that animates it is the energy. It's the soul, spirit, energy. And that's forever. That's not, you know, create or destroy. That is just an eternal property 
of existence. And that's what life is in a sense. You know, life is not just physical, it's non-physical, but life and intelligent life is an emergent property of creation. We don't live in a dead universe. That was just an idea that scientists came up with when they couldn't figure out how life began. That's one of the hard questions of science. How did life begin? How did intelligent life begin? And what are we supposed to do here? <laughs> that's not a question of science. But that's just like, how did life begin? Well, maybe it's ongoing into forever. And maybe life is an emergent property of existence itself. I think it is. You know, I uh, heard an interview with um, Gary Nolan. Do you know Gary Nolan is a physicist or a, a DNA specialist at Stanford Research Institute at Stanford University? And he said, DNA seems to be 9 billion years old because of the complexity of the molecule. And the Earth itself is only 4.5 billion years old. So DNA is older than the Earth, so maybe it is um, a kind of chemical property that's throughout all creation, you know, throughout many, many planets. There obviously are beings here from other levels, other planets, other star systems that are visiting us. And that's, in my chapter, I talk about what the situation, when you meet another being from another star system, it's not like you're meeting a human being. We're all sort of vibrating at the same rate of speed, you know, same rate. I can look at people and say, yeah, they've had mothers and fathers, they eat, they sleep, they do all those things. When you meet these aliens, there's a different energetic field to their vibration. So when I've met them in dreams, there's like, it's like, a, I would say it's not a negative, it's like a distortion of our conscious field. Like if you ever met like really high masters, they can lift you up. If you meet these beings, because this is my theory, because they're from another star system, their consciousness vibrates at a different frequency than ours that are from this sun. So the sun calibrates the rate of consciousness. And of course, we can meet them on a level of the soul, but because they're different frequencies, when you interface with them, you have to stay as lucid and as conscious as possible. So it's, it's good to practice lucid awareness in our dream states because dreams are where you shift your conscious frequency. So when you meet these beings, a lot of people are freaked out, they're all that, but you have to meet them on another level of awareness. That's just a little tip here. That's why the subtitle is preparing for the new realities of extraterrestrial existence. So it's nothing to be afraid of. No one is greater than us. They're not better. They're not more special. They're just a different frequency. They may be smarter. They may have more technology, greater technology. But on a level of soul, level of spirit consciousness, consciousness, they are reflections of us. They're just, you know, from a different part of the Cosmos. So that's one thing we have to get used to. We have to get used to the shift in frequency. And I think that's actually what the last two years of the, the COVID, whatever it was, um, has shifted our frequencies. Of course, there's still problems in the world. There's still wars, famine, and all that. But somehow, I think humanity has been brought a little closer together. We've shared this, this thing that was 
it's it, you couldn't even see this thing, you know, whatever it was, and it kind of brought the world together in this real common unity of mind. Imagine it united. It was went beyond borders. United everybody together, and now somehow I do think we're a little more integrated as a planetary civilization. That's what I think. I mean, of course, we didn't need that, but you know, we got it. So let's just use it for. Bring ourselves together and really know that we are, you know, it's like that song by John Lennon. Imagine all the people living for today. Imagine no countries, no religions. Imagine just just one people living. And that's been my anthem. And that's what I think these beings, that's why they're not landing on the White House lawn. Because, well, what good would that do anyway? But, um, you know, they're not landing on the White House lawn because it is a people's movement. It's up to us to start to activate our own greater potential. We have this incredible potential. I did know Joe Dispenza. I did know him because we were both part of like this mystery school together. And he's all about human potential. We have incredible potential to be divine beings, to heal ourselves, to wake ourselves up, to have interdimensional experiences, to, to you know, uh, telepathically communicate with each other. That's all innate within us and we just have to realize who we are who we really are and that's what the ETs are teaching us they're we're, they're here and they're not landing on the White House lawn because it's like we have to come to this truth on our own they'll appear they'll disappear you'll have a sighting maybe someone you know will show up and say they're from some but it's like we have to find it somehow in ourselves to realize that we can interface with these other beings, it's, it's, um, you know, there's that old saying by uh, Schopenhauer, you know Schopenhauer, the German philosopher, he said, truth passes through three stages. First, it's ignored, like someone has a new truth, they'll just ignore, and then it's ridiculed. Well, we're coming out of the ridicule phase, you know, we're moving into another, and then the third part of the truth is it becomes self-evident. So, self-evident means like, you know, those little kids, of course there's ETs here, of course there's UFOs, when it's self-evident for everyone, which is why I wrote this book, because it is self-evident. We're not alone in the universe. We're not a freak of nature. That's what science or the bad science tells you. Well, we don't know how life began. It's probably just an accident. This is not an accident. We are here for a reason, for a purpose, each one of us. You know, how can it be when synchronicities and things just show up? Is that possible? No, it's all purposeful, and we are here because, you know, th- we're at the turning of the ages, and from the Piscean Age to the Aquarian Age, and, you know, the symbol of Aquarius is, the, is like, it's not a water sign, even though it's a water bear, it's light waves. So we're here because it is time, we interface because it is self-evident that life is not an accident. You know, this is what Dar- Dar- Darwinian evolution said, Things evolve because of chance mutation. And then you get someone like Bruce Lipton. You know Bruce Lipton? Bruce Lipton says, no, things evolve because we intend them to. There's an intention, there's a consciousness on the part of all beings to become greater than their ancestors, you know? So single cells, and I have a quote by Bruce, because I went, when I first heard about Bruce Lipton, I went and interviewed him because I do, I did, I do a lot of interviews. And I say, Bruce, 
this is this is cutting edge. And Bruce said something to me in in 1999 when I first met him before he had a book come out, and I said, you know, tell me about your theory of evolution. He goes, it's not, it's not. Um, it's not unintentional. It's purposeful. And I said to him, well, what's the next level of, level of evolution? He said, the next level of evolution, and I put this in the epilogue, is for ev- us to recognize we're all cells and a larger community coming together in order to create one living orgas- organism called humanity. We are not humans until we create humanity. So we're only part of you because we're really collectively all one mind. So humanity happens when we're all recognized that we're all cells in the same living organism working in a coherent fashion, and that is when humanity is complete. When humanity is complete, the earth as an organism completes that level of evolution it becomes a living, pulsing, breathing organism itself. I mean, it already is, but we're sort of the, the cell, the little receptor sites on the earth as an organism. And when we come together as the kind of conscious vehicles for the earth with a voice of unity, that will allow us to speak as a unity. That will allow other others to come together and speak to us as a unity. So that's the next level. When we come together as a, as a singularity, that's another cell in this bigger superorganism of other planetary species meeting us to share greater awareness. So our, like us, like all your cells come together to form a synergy of awareness is something Bruce Lipton says. A synergy of awareness is like how do all the different cells in your body form this focused moment of, of conscious awareness, a single focused conscious awareness. All your cells are doing that. Not one cell, but every single cell in your body is creating a synergy of awareness to create your perception right now. So if we're all cells in a greater body of humanity... We have to all come together to create the synergy of awareness that forms humanity and realize we're all creating that synergy of awareness. So right now we're all sort of separate at war with each other. But there is a collective consciousness that's coming. Sometimes in groups you realize, wow, we're all one mind. We can all feel each other. We all have the same focus. Well, when that comes together, without losing our individuality, of course, we still want to maintain our sense of self, but also our sense of connectedness. When that happens, when we really come together as a singularity of consciousness, then other singularities come and meet us and we form the next level of a super organism. That's the destiny, I feel. So we go from, you know, single cells to the human, to humanity. We form cities. Cities come together to form nations. We form countries. Countries come together to form one world planet of a single consciousness. And then we start to meet up with other beings because it's all about increasing awareness. This is what Bruce Lipton said. So this is why we have technology today because we want to know everything there is to know. We're increasing our awareness and we're meeting other people who have some parts of that puzzle and we're all increasing awareness until we reach another level of evolution. So that's why we're at this time. We're at this precipice where we can either 
be destroyed by our own creation or be elevated by our potential. This is our moment in history. We are at just the threshold. Which way will it go? Will we join together with each other or will we keep continuing the tradition of war and greed and, you know, corporate monopolies and all those things that have kept us separate? Or will we say, no, it's a people's movement, it's a time where we recognize each other, we see the divine in each other, which is that unity of spirit, and wake up to who we really are as beings here, a global civilization, waiting and ready to meet other global civilizations because just imagine what that will be if we just have free energy. Now, obviously, who's ever out there is not filling up their gas tank to get here, right? They have a technology that I think we could benefit from, you know, get off of fossil fuel, our addiction to oil. It's like an addiction, you know? And so if we can get off that, if we can clean up, if we can have like a little device in our houses that like generate all the electrical means that we want, we won't be enslaved to corporations that we're we're really working for energy so you can heat your house and run your computer. But if we had that, if the government, and this is why we really have to petition the government to say, okay, what do you know? What can you tell us? Let's get it going so we can really move into a new time and this is why we really – and there are people coming forward in government. There's Louise Elizondo, is a former Pentagon undercover agent, saying, no, it's time we tell people what's really going on. So that's why it's so exciting. You know, this is a new time in history to meet the others, and some people have met them. But when the mass population of the planet says, yeah, I always knew – I always knew it was like that. This is the biggest I told you so moment in history. It really is. Like we're we're all part of that people who are gonna tell our families, told you so. Yep. We're all you know, there's one in every family. They've been planted there to say, Okay, I told you so. They're here. <laughs> right? So that's our this is our time. It's right here. This is really a new age. It really is the age of Aquarius, I think, that we're coming into. Um, in a big, big way, and if you know what Aquarius is about, it's about harmony and understanding, humanity coming together. It's not, you know, the Piscean Age was a great age too. It had its time, but it's like the Aquarian Age, whatever you want to call this age of the, of awakening. You know, there are people waking up. People call me all the time and they say, you know, I just saw a UFO. I just had a vision. I just had this download. What's happening here? I say, well, welcome to the, to the club. <laughs> I say, you know, John Mack, who wrote a, a chapter in this book, was a professor of psychiatry at Harvard. He was a psychiatrist and he started to meet people who had these alien contact experiences and they would come to John as a psychiatrist and say, please tell me I'm crazy, you know? And John would say, I have good news and bad news for you. The good news and bad news is you're not crazy. Not crazy, that's good news. And the bad news is you really are having these interactions with beings and it's time to like wake up to the fact that we're not alone 
and we've never been alone. And it's happening singular. It's like like it's like boiling water, you know. Sometimes you watch water boil. I'd love to do that. Not really, but you get a little bubble here, and you get a little bubble there, and then the, so we're like all the little bubbles that are starting to boil. They're going from liquid into gas into steam, and that's like we're we're boiling, and like we're there's communities, and I've been talking all over the country about this, and there's people everywhere that are really excited. And they're part of it. We are part of it. This is not me. It's us. It's, it's the we-volution. I have a friend who calls it about the we-volution, not the evolution, revolution. It's the we-volution. We are the we-volutionaries. We are waking up to who we really are and that we're living in a new time and the world can be really, really a great place. Just imagine, you know, all the people living for today, all the things John Lennon said. But imagine, this is a new time, a new space, a new, a new um, um, chapter in human history. That's what's so exciting. We are here to wake up. So I'll just finish a little bit with this, some of my other favorite quotes from this book. Because I, I love co- collecting quotes because they just remind me of, of what we really all are. So this one quote... I put at the end of the epilogue, and um, and it's from Albert Albert Einstein, one of our favorite. Like the he was, I think he was picked Time Magazine uh, Person of the Century in, in two thousand. Anyway, Einstein says or said in some letter, there are still moments when one, when one feels free from one's own identification with human limitations and inadequacies. At such moments, one imagines that we stand at the some spot on a small planet, gazing in amazement at the cold yet profoundly moving beauty of the eternal, the unfathomable. You know, looking up at that great stars. And it's like you're looking into eternity. You're looking into forever. We're a part of that. And Einstein says, at that moment, life and death flow into one, and there is neither evolution nor destiny, only being. Just being. Just close your eyes for a second. and Just feel yourself being here, being present here on that seat right here in this little church on the outskirts of Denver. And you are the center of that universe. And just imagine and just feel yourself sitting there and feel yourself in that seat. Feel your feet on the floor and feel that same attention going up to your heart, opening your heart, spreading that light out of your heart to everyone around, everyone on this planet. And now pull that attention up to the top of your head. Feel yourself at the top of your head there. That's where your consciousness interfaces with the cosmos. Good. You can feel us all feeling that. Now put your attention on the ceiling. Good. You can feel the room lifted. Now put your attention out into the sky, that blue sky of Denver, the Denver afternoon. And put your attention even further out to where the blue meets the black in space. And go into that space, out into the darkness of space as that little light traveling 
to some distant, distant planet there. And some planet out in space, there there are beings that want to meet you. Go to the light in the distance and meet some beings there. And have them give you a message for us to come take back to Earth. They have something for us, something of hope for us. And thank them for their gift and head back into space, back here to Earth, back here to your body, through the blue sky of Denver, back through the ceiling of the church, back into your body, back here. And, you know, while you're still in two places, half, half slowly open your eyes, halfway, and just feel like this room has shifted into another reality, into another dimension. Our expansion has changed. This world, this physical world is different, and you're different, and we are different people because we are making contact with beings that are waiting to welcome us into the greater cosmos. So just resonate with that for a moment. We are making contact. We are contact. We are the beings we've been waiting for. And take a breath in. It's, feel how nice it is to be in a human body, too. Yeah. It's good. And there's so much more I could say, but thank you all for giving me a chance to say something. Okay. Thank you. And are there any messages anyone have from our star family? Oh, yeah. What did you get? Slow down. Okay, yes. Thank you. Anything from you, Sheila? We are one. We are one. Sheila. You have to support Sheila and her organization, Wish Alliance. She is doing cutting-edge work with people who are, who are from the cosmos and bringing in new levels. So walk-ins, indigos, starseeds, and hybrids. Alliance is a great foundation for people like us that are, are not afraid to say, you know what, the universe is much bigger than anyone told us it is. It's really immense and full of consciousness. It's full of different forms of consciousness. We've only been tuned to one dial, you know, on the radio, and it's like you just turn the dial a little bit more and you get different frequencies. There's so much out there. There's so much that... We have to learn, we can learn a whole new cosmology, a whole new history of who we are as a civilization. It's when we really make contact in a public way, it's going to change our understanding of biology, science, physics, um, technology. These are the benefits. And, and spirituality, it expands who we are as human beings. I mean, we already know who we are, but it gives us a kind of 
elevated look at the potentials humans have, who we really are, what we're capable of, the miracles we are capable of. This is, this is the next level of our evolution. They're just waiting for us to grow up. So I can talk about this all day, but is there any questions? <laughs> any answers? Any questions? Answers? Comments? You want to talk a little bit about some of your experiences? Yep. No, but just tell it because here's someone who's not afraid, Kirk, to open up and you come up and just because I really want to honor your work a little bit because this is not about me. All of us have had experiences and when you have them, you have to share it. You have to, this is how the world's going to wake. Well, you can just tell us a little bit what what you're getting from your downloads. Yeah, come on, come on. I'm happy to show. You could get to next to stand as long as I get next get a chance to stand next to you. No, this is someone who I want to honor because he has written a book and he's here to share his experiences. That's why this is a collective. So tell Hi. us. Thank you. Yeah, please. Hi there. Yeah. Uh, good to see some of you again. I just I really came to hear him, but when, well, okay. when I was meditating and hearing these um, things we needed to do. I'm sorry, but I got the feeling to buckle up because <laughs> things we're going to make things happen, yeah. and it's exciting times. This is the most exciting time to be on the planet, and I think we picked this time to be here ourselves specifically. And um, you know, the, the folks here like like this that have been, you know, in this realm and collecting uh, yeah. uh, brilliance from others for so long, um, uh, I, I realize in, in in my path that I, I came hardwired for many things. I didn't really understand it till around um, when I got back from Afghanistan and, and, and started the journey there and met Rosa and, and, and met Sheila and, and Aurelia and, and some of the others that I've been involved with. Um, it's just been a really cool journey. And in fact, can I relay that time in your house when Rosa and I... Okay. Yeah, this is please. about this is about contact. Well, I'm not going to talk contact. about my book. It's okay. <laughs> this is really cool, and I should have filmed it. Uh, but we're laying there in bed, and Don and Sheila gave us their nice room to sleep in, and there's an apex window in in their cabin up there in Leadville, and I'm uh, I'm asleep, and Rosa taps me, and says, "Well, what's what's that up there in the sky?" And I woke up, and so she saw it first. And I said, wow, it must be Jupiter. It's so bright. And she says, well, why did it wiggle into that position and stay there and get start getting brighter? <laughs> I says, I don't know. Let's look. And so I got up and looked at it. And this is 2018. Remember, I didn't want to wake you up because I didn't want to freak you out. Um, but uh, it beamed at us, basically, and opened up what, 50 times brighter than um, the brightest Jupiter I've ever seen, and it would go back and forth and back and forth, and then it would redshift like it was taking off and coming back. And I'm sitting there thinking that. I said to Rose, I said, wow, this isn't Jupiter. Look at this. And it did that for over an hour. And I thought, well, this is sacred just for us, but it was like it was, it was trying to let us know that this is, this is very real. Because, you know, I used to, you know, work with NASA, and um, nobody really wanted to talk about this stuff, but uh, 
now it's okay. And in fact, in the book, I, I just put three or four instances of it. And I also put a schedule of when we're supposed to meet, which oh, is, which That's is hit. I want to talk to you. Yeah. yeah, it's, 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 it's there. It's, it's, it's pretty soon. It is soon. Yeah, and it, it, was, it was their timeline. I didn't make this, and I kept it kind of blurred so it didn't show everything. But when I was there, there you know how you have your five-year plan? Well, they had a hundred-year plan of what's going to happen as we join the cosmos. Um, and it's, it's really, um, we're going to see it in the next ten years. This is it. Yeah. yeah it is. Thank, you. thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, because... That's why I'm saying this is not about me or any individual. It's about all of us. It's about why this is a collection of 12 different essays, including George Norrie, because everyone will have their own experience of it, and it will all be a common theme as well. So it's like mm, we have to keep – thanks so much for standing up for – what happened? And you know, well, this is a great place to see UFOs. The skies are clear up in the Rocky Mountains. You want to get up there. You're going to see stuff in the sky, and there's going to be satellites, and then there's going to be some strange things in the sky that are going to go in tandem or make zigzags or fly really low over the sky. And then there are beings appearing to us in dreams. How many people have had dreams of beings? And right. And then there's a people appearing in person, right, Don? Don has had a personal experience with this woman who's had, who is an ET. So, I mean, I'm waiting to meet someone like that. But, you know, we're all sort of ETs. So, um, yeah, but does anyone have any comments, questions, ideas, philosophies, thoughts? Where, how are we going to do this? Uh, yeah, please. Hi. Oh, that's interesting. Thanks for asking that question. Well, some people who are taken aboard, I think they are extracting our DNA because there's something about human beings, and some people are against that. There's something about human beings that some of the alien races lack. They need our genetics, which is our capacity to feel. This is my theory. The little gray beings with the big eyes that everyone sees. This is my theory. They reach their end of their evolutionary cycle because they bred emotional capacity out of their system. So they need what we have, our genetics, which is, contains our ability to feel. Like, you know, you've heard cases of organ transplants where the organ recipient takes on the consciousness of the donor. That's because there's consciousness within the DNA. So when they take some of our DNA and implant it into their species, they're creating a species that is very intelligent, but also very feeling and creative like the human being. So the marks, I think, are some of that DNA extraction. Some people say they're putting implants in there, you know, or they're tagging people. I don't know. Some of it's a little bit invasive, you know. So, you know, I think that phase is over. I think that phase of abductions is, is, is not happening. That reminds me of one of my favorite E.T. jokes, you know. Um, and I'll get back to the question. But it was in the New Yorker magazine. You know, New Yorker magazine is a very high intellectual magazine in New York. Anyway, these two E.T.'s, they're talking to each other, this typical Americans on board a spaceship, baseball cap, 
beer belly. He's standing next to the ETs, and, he, and one ET says to the other, you abducted him, you feed him. So, but, so I think, though, the marks and the abductions were part of a program to get our genetics for a race that needed it. It was a little invasive of thought. They do not have great bed-sized manners. I think I've experienced that in my book. But there are many races, and some of... I don't mind being the father of an alien race, if that's what it takes to you know, evolve us. But, you know, yeah, they could have asked, you know, and said, guess, can we borrow some of your genetics? But, you know, it's okay. I think it's sort of nice to share the universe. And, you know, there might be offspring out there. And that's a lot of people do... Claim, and you don't have to, there's no child support, which is great. So, and so that is what I think is happening. They did need some of our genetics, and in exchange for some of our, you know, uplifting us with technology. This is, if you read the day after Roswell, there's a, there's a saying that there was an exchange where there was a treaty made by Eisenhower. I don't know if that's true, where they were allowed to come down here, get our genetics in exchange for giving us technology, like the microchip and some of the stuff that's really been advanced in the last, you know, 30 years was in exchange, which, you know, this is why it has to come out for, uh, from the government. What was that agreement? And then some people say, well, if we tell you, you'll have to give us amnesty. We don't want to go to jail for it. So there's this whole inside the government amnesty program. Okay, we traded you to be abducted so we can get greater technology, supposedly. Um, we don't want to go to jail for that. We know it wasn't right, but still, look, look, at this, look at the technology we created for you guys. So I don't know. It's a little weird. It does get weird even for me, and I'm into all that stuff, but, you know, may, the truth is always stranger than fiction. <laughs> right? So when we really hear that, I think Mark Twain said that the, the difference between fiction and nonfiction is that fiction has to make sense and the nonfiction doesn't make sense. The truth is always stranger. So when the government does come up out with this, we're going to hear a lot of things about multidimensionality, that there are portals, that, and I think black holes are portals that take us to other, it's like a little loop in time space that take us to other dimensions, other parts of the universe. I think there's technology to create these man-made portals that you know, go faster than the speed of light. You know, Einstein said you can't go faster than the speed of light, but if you can bend space and time, which is what these portals do, which is also how some of these ETs are described as arriving here, they come out of these little wormholes into your bedroom, then this whole idea of interdimensionality <laughs> Yeah, right. I think I have one. No, but but no, there's there's been papers if you look at the what was called the um ATIP, which was a government organization for um the uh what is it called? ATIP was the Aerial Aviation Investigation Threat Identification Program. There are papers uh, with ATIP that talk about wormhole technologies. And there are different vortex places on this planet. Sedona, uh, that's why I'm there a lot of time, is a vortex. It is an interdimensional place. There are beings that come in and out of there. I mean, they're everywhere, but there are more hot spots. I'm sure there's places up in the Rocky Mountains. I'm sure there are places everywhere that are portal dimension. But getting back to your question, the marks 
are a little invasive from our not so like uh, bedside manner ET friends that wanted our genetics. That's my belief. And um, a lot of people have scoop marks. A lot of people have little marks. I mean, does anyone here have any marks from? Oh, you do. What uh, What do you have? What, what, what do they look like? Triangles are a major theme, yeah. And do you have memories of? Uh, you should be regre- Can you be regressed? Are you interested in being regressed back to what's happening? Yeah. No, I'll. I'll tell you, Barbara, Barbara Lamb will regress you because you don't ever forget anything. In your dream states, you remember exactly what's happening when those triangles show up. So Barbara Lamb, we have a number of someone to give you. What's happened to you back there? Yeah, you. With, yeah, you, with the marks. Um, I have, um, I had an implant in like the late 90s and it was like a little bit of But, but what do you remember any association with that? Did any messages with the implant? Not really. I had when I was abducted I had a big block of time. Oh. Um, and I remember feeling like I was Well, that is what some people say. There is a spiritual group. This is what Bashar says, if you ever heard Bashar. He actually said that to me in my interview with him. I interviewed Bashar. He said, yes, thank you. He thanked me for my genetic contribution to his family line. He said, really? I said, yeah. And he said, well, you know, it is an agreement on a soul level. That's what he says. Some people say, well, I don't want that to happen. So there's a whole resistance among abductees saying, no, they're invading, and other people say, no, it's an agreement. So there's a little split in the movement. But you, when were you abducted? It was like the late 1990s. Uh, and, like and, 1997. and where were you? Um, outside of Houston, Texas. And were you driving or walking? Right. It was just lit. And then that was where the time was lost. And then when I came back, I was getting back on I-10, and it still looked like just a runway. You came back from where? Okay. You know, I don't, I don't Oh, know. right there you had missing time. Yeah, I see. It was just the missing time. Oh. And when I was back, and it was like two hours later, I was just on I-10, and all of a sudden all the cars were back. So. Wow. That, that's... That is, I mean, it's unusual. But that, you know, when Whitley Strieber wrote his book, he got 200,000 letters. 200,000 people have read his book and said, you know, similar things happened to me, missing time. So we're not hearing about it, like, publicly, but it should be. It should be. I mean, I MC at the Making in the uh, Contact in the Desert. 
There's 5,000 people that come together in the desert talking about their experiences every year. We haven't had it for the last two years. You were there, right? At Contact in the Desert, were you? No? Oh. But anyway, it's a great gathering of people talking about these experiences freely. No one's like laughing at because everyone else has a story, so you're not going to laugh at your story and tell them, you know. But, you know, it's like we need to just share this. Thank you so much. Thank you for you sharing yours. I think, what's your name? Yeah. Nice. I've seen you some people weird before. You look familiar. Maybe on the ship. <laughs> Thank you. And what's your name back there? Susanna. Thanks, Susanna. No, anyone else? Because this is, uh, yeah, please. have that memory and you have that vibrational shift because they do interact with us and they do uplift our our physical bodies I think to a different level of vibration so we can bring in more knowledge more from open our minds so thank you Well, I'm glad you stayed. Thanks. But there... <laughs> yeah, thank you. But there are, yeah, soul families. They're not just all physical ETs. In my book, in that chapter that J.J. Hurtak wrote with Desiree Hurtak, his wife, they talk about ultra-celestials. That means they're, they're beings at a higher vibration or um, ultra... What is it? Celestial... Ultra-terrestrials. They're, they're physical beings that are slightly different. There's non-physical beings the universe is wide open and our soul family are waiting for us to come home at some point but we're here to have this really great human earth experience this is a really nice planet this is really one of the best planets it's a lot of water fresh air forests so you know we want to clean it up we want to make it a nice place you know so when we have company like you your mother used to say, you're not getting company until you clean up your mess. We have to clean up our mess so we can get the company that's waiting for us because we are here to share the universe. Just imagine how amazing it will be when we all have the technology abundance. You know, we can cultivate the deserts with that technology. We can grow abundant food. There's no reason anyone has to not have food or shelter or what they need, but we just have to get to the consciousness where that's, that's um, um, available, that consciousness that says we don't need to suffer anymore, basically. Like this is a time of abundance. If we can get to that place, then that vibrational energy 
can spread throughout all of humanity. We're here to raise the vibration by seeing what's possible. Most people will say out there, well, it's not even possible, people are too greedy, but no, we can say it is possible because, you know, people like you, what's your name? Ellen. Ellen? Yeah. Yeah. She's had the experience of that oneness and that experience is also all our experiences. So that's why I keep coming back, like you said, we're on this cutting edge where we have to create a new heaven and a new earth. We have to clean up the earth and be open to the heavens because, you know, evolution happens to collectively, as humanity, as Bruce Lipton says. So when we realize who we really are, it welcomes the others. And all this fear drops out of the way. You know, people fear the unknown. But, you know, Heraclitus said dogs also bark at what they don't know. But babies, little babies, they always go for the new. They always run. To, so we are, we can be like children in a new, a new kind of way of being that's going for the new, the uncertain. People, you know, like to have the world safe, secure, and predictable. You know, they like to go to Safeway. You know, that's their safe, secure, and predictability. But it's much more exciting when things are uncertain, where you don't know the future, because people only project their negative beliefs about what they know onto the uncertainty. But uncertainty, possibility, holds infinite potentials that we have yet to imagine. That is what's so exciting. What we do imagine is just from the old, from the, from the known. What we have yet to imagine creates miracles of possibility. And that's what this is all about. That's what making contact is about. It's about miracles of possibility, which is who we are. It is about us. So welcome home. Thank you very much. Thank you. And there's more in the book. I'll sign copies. It's $20 each. And I'll write it. And it's, I'm so happy to meet a Denver community because this is really happening around the country. People like us are gathering together, sharing their experiences, and saying, this is something worldwide. This is happening to all of us as a civilization. And isn't that exciting? Thank you, everybody, for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sheila.